morning we're going to take a look at Acts 17, starting in verse 16. If you'd like to turn there. Acts 17, starting in verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, the spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is that you speak of, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. And all the Athenians and foreigners who were there spent time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, and I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. Amen. Now, everywhere in Colorado, it seems, that despite inflation and a slower economy, housing is continuing to be built. I don't know if you've noticed that. And as expected, developers seek to de-annex Elizabeth West, just right across the street here, opening against, again, the possibility of 600 homes to be built just a few thousand yards from our church building. And of course, this is an addition to hundreds of more houses just down the street at Gold Creek, up north at Independence, uh, up north at uh, Spring Valley Ranch, and then the largest multifamily complex in Elizabeth just across the street from Big R. Well, these things are in God's hands, but one thing that's clear that we should take notice of is that people are moving here, and, uh, and lots of people. Uh, God is bringing people right here in our backyard, to whom we can speak the truth of the gospel and of our one true living God, which is exactly what Paul wanted to speak of to the philosophers. What's interesting is how dramatically things have shifted. And I think there's been a significant shift just pre-COVID to post-COVID. The average church attendance rate in Elbert County is 4%. And only 7.4% of Elbert County citizens are claimed to be Protestant Christians. And this is a state in Colorado where only 6% of the population holds to a biblical worldview. So we might find ourselves a lot like Paul, the Areopagus. In fact, with these kind of numbers, in the single digits, you know, it used to be you had to go overseas, like Tim, to be a missionary. You don't have to go anywhere anymore. But you go right here. In fact, these people are coming to us. They're right here across the street. Praise be to God. We're all missionaries on the field now, as it were. What a blessing it is. The fields are white for harvest right here in Elizabeth, Colorado. 
But, but the question for us today is, are we ready? Are we engaged in this calling that the Lord has sent us out for? Are we ready and willing to deliver the good news? And I think we have to ask, what kind of people will God bring? Not just to the doors of our church. I mean, if there's 600 homes across the street, probably somebody's going to come check out our church. But maybe they'll come to our Christmas Eve service. Or maybe they'll come to our Easter service or our clothing drive. But they'll also be our neighbors. They'll also be the people we just encounter on the highways and byways. And, and this is exciting. There's people to proclaim the truth to. To be that light. To be that salt in the world. What, what kind of gifts is God going to add to this body? And what needs will these new neighbors have? If they're buying $600,000, $700,000 homes, they might not need a food bank, they might not need a clothing drive, but they're going to have needs. Their foremost need, of course, is a solid biblical truth of the gospel. But these neighbors might have different needs than, than we even think of or that we've thought of. How can we serve them with the gospel? How can we serve them with the hands and feet of Jesus? How can we love them? Will they have marriage challenges? Addictions? False gods and idols they're trusting in as Paul saw in Athens? Will they have fractured homes and destructive lifestyles? How will we interface well with those who do not fit neatly in our family-integrated, reformed, homeschooling bubble that we have here. (laughs) Perhaps some will come through the door who, who are used to reciting the Sparkle Creed instead of the Nicene Creed. How will we boldly relay the truth, yet graciously extend the love of Christ to those that are blind and confused? In a culture where truth is seemingly impossible to nail down. The boys and I were mountain biking on Friday. We passed a woman with a bright yellow shirt that said, Protect trans children at all costs. It had a big gun on it. We might not like these things. We might not like these people. But the reality is this is where God has us. This is where you live. This is the reality of what's going on. We need to be ready to proclaim the good news to the lost and dying and have a compassion for them. It's a question we need to ask ourselves. Do we just get upset? Do we just want to stay away and avoid them? How will we serve them and love them and speak boldly the truth while also exhibiting the grace of God that's manifest itself in our lives and in our church? Well, just three ways I think we can glorify God and enjoy Him forever as we interface with the lost of this world. Number one, we must love God and enjoy God and let the joy of our salvation flow out of us continually in everything we do. We must live with the eternal hope of Christ and His kingdom come, remembering who we are, how we are so undeservingly rich and blessed to be called the sons and daughters of the King redeemed forever, that we get to live with him forever in glory. 
And we have to be confident of who we are in Christ, right? Solidly firm in our convictions. Because as we work, as we live, as we engage with this world, our convictions will be challenged. They will be pushed. We must know and believe who we are in Christ and love our God. Secondly, we must love one another right here in this room first. Before we go and love somebody else out there. Jesus said this is how they will know we are his disciples, that we have love for one another. Now, some of you know, we can sin against one another here. We can get in conflict against one another here. So this will take faith. It will take a full dependence upon God. Forgiving, loving one another, bearing with one another, speaking the truth in love, that we may all grow up together to him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body is joined and knit together, by which every joint supplies according to the effective working which every part does its share for the growth of the edifying of itself in love. So this unity here, which flows from a love of God out to one another, these are prerequisites for us. And then thirdly, we need to be ready. We need to be ready to love people and stand firm in our faith. Right? Many of you know the story of Rosaria Butterfield, right? We've talked about her in the past. Atheistic, feminist, lesbian, turned into a believer of Christ. Wife now of a Reformed Presbyterian pastor. Rosaria testifies that God used a Christian couple, the husband being a conservative pastor in the RPCNA, who invited her into their home, loved her, and spoke the truth to her. That couple, Ken and Flo Smith, were the parents of our pastor in Maryland, Peter Smith, 16 years ago. That's just one example of what can happen through the power of God. The gospel's the power of God unto salvation. But this is what happens when our love for God turns into an undeserving realization of the faith that we've been given in Christ, and then that compassion extends to the lost. As Paul said, is the one true and living God that we must proclaim, we must. We must be ready to sanctify the Lord in our hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So we let that love of Christ, that compassion for the lost flow out of us. We let the Holy Spirit give us the words to speak and remember that we have a duty to be ready to declare the truth, to know the word. And I encourage us all in that. In in whatever we can study to lean into this, to love those people more, to answer their questions in apologetics, in evangelism, serving others. May we stand boldly for truth and not waver on it. Because I know that's my conviction, brothers and sisters. I want to just kind of avoid sometimes, just being honest. It, 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 it takes a lot of faith to walk up to that person or love someone that's so different in so many ways. We simply love God and then others. That's where it starts. We have the greatest treasure on earth and we must share that truth, the gospel of grace with others. Will you be, will you be rejected? Absolutely. So you need to be okay with that. Will you be challenged? Definitely. So can you respond in faith? 
So I, I just want to call this, I, I charge, this is a conviction of my heart when, when we were biking on Friday because I wanted to avoid, be honest. But I charge us all to seriously consider there's thousands of people flow into this county, into this state. We need to be ready. We need to be equipped. We need to know how to approach them. We need to love them with the love of Christ. So as we go to our time of confession, let's just confess wherever we are on this. Is it our hesitancy to proclaim the one true and living God? Are are we too busy? Are we afraid? Do we lack love for the lost? Are we too comfortable in our isolated lives? Let us humbly come before our God and confess our sins to him. If you're able and willing, please kneel with me as we recite now our corporate prayer of confession. And then we'll have an individual time of confession to our God. Let's recite this together. Gracious Father, we humble ourselves in your presence, confessing our unworthiness and sinfulness in your sight. We have broken your holy law. We have not sought first your kingdom and righteousness. We have been anxious and troubled about many things and have neglected the things that belong to your peace. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, nor done to others as we would that they should have done to us. Most gracious God, who has given your Son, Jesus Christ, to save your people from their sins, forgive us, we beg you. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and renew a right spirit within us, Through the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. Now take a time to individually confess our sins to God.